You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. And again, as a lot of us know, based on that video, we really are living today in a culture that either cannot accept the truth, it either mishandles the truth, or in other cases, it doesn't even want to acknowledge the truth. And that is so true, not just with balloons, but you know, with, with church and Christianity. 80% of Americans right now agree with the following statement. An individual should arrive at his or her own religious beliefs independent of any church or synagogue. Now, the author of this study kind of went on to say that the fundamental belief in American culture is that moral truth or absolute truth really kind of comes down to whatever we think it should be or whatever we believe it is. Now, again, I've seen where parents will kind of, you know, not take their children to any kind of a church. They'll just kind of allow their kids to kind of arrive at their own spiritual or religious beliefs on their own. They don't want to introduce any kind of uh, religion or any kind of spiritual beliefs because they don't want to sway the child in any one particular direction. They just kind of want them to grow up in kind of a neutral free zone and to be able to kind of arrive at their own spiritual identity or understandings kind of on their own apart from any church or synagogue. And so we kind of end up living uh, in a culture that has no problem with what we call the God of love. Uh, Again, who supports and encourages anything and everything regardless of how we conduct ourselves uh, or our beliefs. But again, there's no tolerance uh, in our culture for a God who who actually has standards of right and wrong beliefs or behaviors. We've been in a series we've been calling Balanced, and the series is really kind of looking for that balance between grace and truth. And we've kind of stated the premise early on in the series was, you know, that grace without truth is liberalism. And we said truth without grace is legalism. But when you can find that balance between grace and truth, it brings liberty. It brings freedom. And the series has really kind of been based on something uh, that one of Jesus' disciples, John, kind of came to recognize as he's reflecting on uh, Jesus' ministry. And in John 1.14, John kind of says, and the word became flesh, and that word dwelt among us, and we saw his glory. Glory is of the only begotten of the Father. And, and John made this incredible recognition. He said, this word that became flesh, it was full of grace and truth. Anybody who has ever studied or looked at the life of Jesus readily admits he was a man who was full of grace, but he was also a man of truth. Last week, we looked at an incident in the life of Jesus where he was full and demonstrated the fullness and balance of that grace because it was a situation that called for grace because the woman, a prostitute, she was so hungry, she was so open to receive the grace of God. And today, we're going to look at a conversation that Jesus had with some people who needed to hear the truth 
about truth. We're going to look at a very small part of a very large conversation uh, that Jesus is having because really in two sentences, Jesus tells us a book full of truth about truth. And in John 8, beginning in verse 32, Jesus is speaking and he says, to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold fast to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. There's that liberty. Jesus said there is such a thing as truth, and not just a truth, but Jesus is speaking about the truth. There is what I would call truth with a little t, and then there is truth with a big capital T. There is what we would call earthly truth. That is, you know, for the most part, it's not really life-changing, okay? I can stand up here and tell you it's true I'm wearing blue pants. Now, that's true, but it's not really life-changing truth, okay? But there is what we would call absolute eternal truth that is powerful, it is life-changing, and it can bring freedom into people's lives. It can take us literally from the kingdom of darkness and translate us into the kingdom of light. So when I say that, you know, Jesus Christ was the son of God, he lived a perfect life, he died upon the cross, his blood was shed so our sins could be forgiven, he was resurrected three days later to eternal life, And one of those things that proved was that he was who he said he was, and Jesus is coming back. Now, that is truth that is life-changing. That's the difference. If you remember your math, and again, if you've been here before, my math is not very good, okay? But you'll recall that there are numbers that are identified as prime numbers, Now, a prime number is a number that is divisible only by itself and the number one. Now, what's interesting to me about prime numbers is the number two is the only even prime number. Every other prime number is an odd number. That's why they're all prime. Likewise, when it comes to truth, we would say there are some truths that are prime truths, meaning they are true for everyone, everywhere, all the time. When I talk about an absolute, again, eternal truth, I mean it is true for everybody, everywhere, all the time. Now, there's a lot of beliefs that, you know, believers can disagree on, and we do. That's why there are a lot of different denominations, a lot of different churches. But we would all say as as Christians, there are prime, absolute, eternal truths over which there can be no disagreement. 
I talk about the virgin birth of Christ. I believe that is an absolute eternal truth. The resurrection of Jesus Christ, absolute eternal truth. The blood of Jesus Christ has the power to forgive sins, absolute eternal truth. Those are prime truths we have all got to agree on. John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, was famous for saying, in essentials, again, those are those absolute eternal truths, in essentials, unity, agreement. In non-essentials, he said liberty, freedom, but in all things, love. That's a great saying. And Wesley, like many church fathers and leaders, believed there are certain prime, absolute, eternal truths we as Christians must always hold as unchanging truths. It's one of the reasons why our motto here is changing lives through the unchanging Word. That unchanging word has the power to change lives. Jesus believed in absolute truth, eternal truth, and what Jesus said about truth tells us three things that we must always do with the truth. Verses, we got to affirm the truth. Listen carefully what Jesus says there in John 8 32. He says, Then you will know the truth. Again, Jesus didn't say you're going to know a truth, he says you're going to know the truth. You're going to know the absolute, life-changing, eternal truth that's going to set you free. And that truth is real, that truth that you and I can know. It's not just a social construct, and it's not subject to the whims of different thinking at different times in different ages. There are truths that are true for everyone, everywhere, all the time. And you and I, Jesus said, we can know the truth, by virtue of our relationship with him. Sin is not the only reason that Jesus came to the world. It's also true that one of the purposes of Jesus coming to the earth was to be able to bring that truth. Speaking to Pontius Pilate, Jesus said in John 18, 37, you say that I am a king. And he said, in fact, the reason I was born and came into the world was to testify, to witness to the truth. Everyone on this side of the truth, again, that absolute, eternal, unchanging truth, he said, sides and listens to me. So it begs the question, well, where is that truth found? Jesus said in John 17, 17, again, he's praying, sanctify them by the truth, your word. And he's speaking to God the Father. He says, your word is truth. In that verse, there Jesus says, God's word is where ultimate, absolute, unchanging truth can be found. In other words, what God says is truth is truth because God cannot lie. It's impossible for God to lie. So anything that God would say is always truth. God does not say something because it is true, a thing is true because God says it. That's a big difference. And again, let me tell you why that's important. Do you realize without absolute, eternal, unchanging truth, lasting morality is impossible? Because without an unchanging, absolute, eternal standard of truth, 
that can only come from an absolute, eternal, unchanging God, right and wrong, will merely become a matter of opinion. What's true for me may not be true for you. What you consider truth, I might not consider truth. If something is morally right, it has to be morally right for everyone, everywhere, all the time. If something is morally wrong, okay, it is wrong for everyone, everywhere, all the time. If ultimate Absolute, unchanging, eternal truth comes from God. It can never change because God is unchanging. Is this this making sense? If truth comes from God, it can never become untrue. It can't start off being true and through the ages kind of, you know, become untrue because God is absolute truth. If truth comes from God, then truth can never be wrong because God is never wrong. But if truth is what we manufacture it to be, if it's just based upon our opinion, what looks good to us, what feels right in the moment, then wrong can and will change at a moment's notice. I'm reminded of a story about Albert Einstein who was giving a physics exam And after the exams were all handed out, the students said, "Uh, Dr. Einstein, these are the same questions from last year's exam. To which he responded, yes, they are, but the answers this year are different. What is truly truth, if it's absolute, eternal, unchanging truth, it never changes. Truth that is eternal, absolute, unchanging, never becomes obsolete. It may be out of fashion. It may fall out of favor. It may be out of friends. But it's never out of date. Truth is always true no matter what century it is. No matter the crowd It has no effect on true truth. Truth is not only unending, it is universal. What is true is not only true yesterday, today, and forever, but it's true for you, it's true for me, it's true for all of us. I was reading about a little girl who was being taught by her grandmother that you always need to tell the truth and be honest with people. The little girl said, Nana, I know it's wrong to tell a lie, but is it okay to give the truth an extreme makeover? Many people in our culture today think it's okay to give truth an extreme makeover. Now, here's the thing. It's not just morally or, or morality that suffers when absolute, eternal, unchanging truth goes by the wayside, but you also got to understand the concept of justice is affected. How many of you have ever had to go into a courtroom and, and you're testifying before a judge or a jury? What do they have you do? Go into the witness stand, you put your hand in the Bible, you raise it up and you say, I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help me God. Have you ever stopped to think, why do they ask you to do that? 
Because without truth, there can be no justice. Because justice is based on truth. Stop and think about that. If you were to go into a courtroom and, and you were to tell, not, you're, you're not gonna, any, nothing I'm going to tell is true. There can be no justice. We only have justice if it's based on telling the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help me, God. So the point is, there is truth that corresponds to reality. There is reality that corresponds to truth. And what is really true and what is truly real is really true and truly real for everyone, everywhere, all the time. We must affirm the truth. Second thing is we got to accept the truth. Jesus said in verse 32, you will know the truth. That word there doesn't mean you just know it in your head, but it's alive. You know it in your heart as well. And this is for a lot of us where that real battle kind of begins. And we need to affirm that there is a truth. We need to mentally affirm there is a truth. And that truth comes from God. That truth is found in God's word. So it's one thing to know truth in your head, but man, it's another thing to know truth from your heart. This is where, again, the battle is raging in our culture today. I don't have to tell you that the big buzzword uh, of the day is not truth. It's tolerance. We heard that in the video. We're in a, a culture today where, uh, again, we're told we got to be tolerant of the actions of others, even if we believe they are morally wrong, if they're morally damaging to our culture. We're told we got to be tolerant of the attitudes of others, even if we think those attitudes are destructive. We are told we need to be tolerant of the assertions anyone makes, even if we can prove those assertions, those underlying assumptions are wrong based on truth. Now, I think it's important to be clear, when it comes to the way we treat other people, we should never be intolerant, bigoted, or arrogant. Okay, it's just not the way of Christ. When it comes to dealing with people personally, we should never be intolerant, we should never be bigoted or arrogant. I want to read something to you by a man named Bishop Fulton Sheen. Bishop Sheen, uh, at this time, was one of the most well-known uh, Catholics in the world beside the Pope. He was a man who had a radio ministry, later went on to have a television ministry that was watched by over 30 million people. He was one of the leading Catholic theologians of his day. I want you to listen to what he wrote. Tolerance applies only to persons, but never to truth. Tolerance applies to persons, but never to truth. Intolerance applies only to truth, but never to persons. Tolerance applies to the erring, intolerance to the air. That is good wisdom. On the other hand, listen to what else he said. Intolerance applies only to persons, but never to truth or principles. 
About these things, we must be intolerant. Now, he's talking about these absolute, eternal, life-changing truths. We need to be intolerant to anything that tries to come against that. He said, right is right if nobody is right, and wrong is wrong if everybody is wrong. But in this day, this age, he says, we need not a church that is right when the world is right, but we need a church that is right when the world is wrong. That is the purpose of the church to be the standard bearer of that eternal, absolute, unchanging truth. Do you know when he wrote these words? Anybody dare to take a guess when he wrote this? 1931. I'm guessing Bishop Sheen would be surprised today that principled conviction has been thrown out and rejected and replaced by political correctness the truth has been silenced by the muzzle of tolerance. Yet intolerance is really a vital and a necessary virtue. Stop and think about this for a moment. There is no room for tolerance in the chemical laboratory. There's no room for that. There's no room for tolerance in a, in a chemistry laboratory. Formulas must be followed methodically, consistently, and rigorously when mixing chemicals together, or you may blow up the laboratory or yourself. I was in chemistry class in college. A couple weeks into the class, we were given some chemicals. We were told to mix certain chemicals. We were told to mix to not mix certain chemicals. I was fine with the chemicals we could mix. I was curious about the chemicals we could not mix. And so I just decided to kind of figure out why the prohibition on certain chemicals being mixed together. And when the professor wasn't looking, I mixed what we weren't supposed to mix together, and it created a fire in the chemistry lab. Luckily, we had one of those hoods. I was able to close the door uh, immediately. The professor saw the fire and came over and uh, said, what happened? And I told him, and that was my last day in chemistry. <laughs> my mom and dad are here. I don't know that they've ever heard that story before. There's no room for tolerance in a chemical laboratory. There's no room for tolerance in mathematics. Whether you're an engineer at NASA or an architect of a building, the calculus, the trigonometry had better be precisely right or some astronaut may not be able to get back from space or the building may collapse. There's no room for tolerance in sports. Every game is to be played according to the rules and everybody is expected to play by the rules. Yet we're told when it comes to some of the greatest moral, ethical issues of our day, we ought to be tolerant. Well, I make no apologies whether we're speaking about salvation or sexuality, marriage or more morality, disparity or poverty, or what is right and what is wrong, we need to be more focused, we need to be more concerned with truth than tolerance. 
Now again, I, I defend the right of everybody to believe what they want to believe, no matter how sincerely wrong I think they may be. Everybody is entitled to their own beliefs, but not their own truths. Believing something does not make that true. Belief is not what ultimately matters. Truth ultimately matters. And God's word is that absolute, eternal, unchanging truth. By believing anything is true doesn't make it true. The Bible I preach from is not true because I believe it's true. I believe it and preach it because it is eternal, absolute, unchanging truth. If it corresponds to reality, we got to tell it like it is. It's interesting when I do counseling, and I I don't do a lot, but it's interesting when people come to talk to me about uh, their issues, what they're really trying to get me to do is to justify that what they're thinking about doing is right. They're, They're not there to hear what I have to say. They're there basically to get me to agree with what they're already gonna do anyway. Uh, So I've discovered the problem with most people is not in finding the truth, but it is in facing the truth and walking that truth out, which leads to the third and final point. We must apply the truth. You can affirm it, you can accept it, but if you don't apply it, it's really not gonna do you much good. Jesus said in verse 31, he said to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Again, it's one of the ways that we kind of authenticate that we are a disciple of Jesus. We love like Jesus loved. They'll they'll know you're my disciples by, by the way you love one another. We'll also demonstrate that we're his disciples when we really begin to live out um, his truths. If truth is going to do in you and for you what it was meant to do, you've got to live your life by that truth. Truth is useless, even if you believe it, if you do not live by it and apply it to your life. Truth was never intended just for the head. It was really more intended for the heart. The mind learns the truth. It's the heart that loves the truth. It's the heart that wants to live that truth out. This is what it means to know the truth and what Jesus meant when he said, you're going to know the truth. And he said, that truth, it has the power to set you free. I was interested in that word absolute truth. I've used it a lot this morning. It comes from two Latin words, the word ab meaning from and the word salvare meaning to set free. So the word absolute literally means to set free free from. That is the purpose that Jesus has given us the truth is so that we can experience freedom. In all my years as a Christian and as a pastor, I have never met anyone and I will never meet anyone who doesn't need to be set free from something. Every one of us in this room, myself including, all of us have things we need to be set free from. From. And I love Wendy kind of talked about that this morning. Again, that fear of man. That, that's something that, that all of us need to be set free of. We're, we're, we're concerned about what other people think about us. That's a fear of man. And we, we need to be set free from that. So whether it's pride or jealousy, envy, bitterness, unforgiveness, guilt, whatever sin it may be, every one of us in this room, we have struggled with, and we have been in bondage to sin. 
Some of us are in bondage to sin now. And every one of us in this room have needed to be set free from something at one time. Some of you are old enough to remember the great radio commentator, Paul Harvey. Uh, Paul's no longer with us, but he was the one that was infamous for saying, and now the rest of the story. Uh, He told of an experiment involving a chimpanzee in which scientists were determined they were going to teach this chimpanzee to write and communicate on paper. So for 14 years, these scientists kind of poured everything they knew, everything they thought they could do, diligently, patiently, with this chimpanzee, all in the hopes of getting this chimpanzee to be able to form and to write certain syllables. So after 14 long, just, I mean, arduous years of pouring into this chimpanzee, the day arrived when it seemed like this chimpanzee was as ready as he was ever going to be to actually write a sentence from the symbols uh, and syllables he had been learning. So word got out and scientists from all around the world flew in and they all kind of gathered around this cage and they just watched breathlessly as symbols were being formed and word after word was kind of, you know, coming and starting to form a sentence. And at last, the first message from the world's most pampered, cared for, patiently trained chimpanzee in history was about to come forth. The scientists could hardly contain themselves as they pressed their faces around that cage to read the history-making sentence this chimpanzee had penned. What had he written? Three words. Let me out. (laughs) There is one who has the power and the ability to let you out, to free you, to give you liberty, and it is the one who says, I am the absolute, eternal, unchanging truth. Atheism denies truth. Agnosticism doubts truth. Rationalism debates truth. Humanism degrades truth. Relativism dilutes truth. But Jesus, God in human flesh, came over 2,000 years ago and said, I am that eternal, absolute, unchanging truth. The only way we will ever know and experience the liberty that that truth has the power to produce is to know Jesus, to have a relationship with the one who is truth. If you reject Jesus, here's the problem. Your, your, your foundation, your whole life is based upon and built on a lie. Because you'll either see the truth in life, in that unchanging circumstances, opinions, or you will be shown truth in death. The best definition of hell I have ever found is this one. Hell is truth seen five seconds too late. Hell is truth 
seen five seconds too late. Over 2,000 years ago, a little baby was born in Bethlehem. And that baby was given the name of Jesus. And that name Jesus meant salvation because Jesus said he came to save all men. He lived about 33 years. In that 33 years, his life was absolutely sinless and perfect. And because of that, he was able to go to the cross. The only one because of his sinless life was able to go to the cross and offer a perfect sacrifice on behalf of all mankind. The Bible says three days later, he was raised from the dead. That same Jesus who is alive today is seated at the right hand of the father and will come again. That Jesus holds the key to joy to peace, to fulfillment, to satisfaction, to salvation, to eternal life. If you ever come to truly know him personally, he and that truth he has will set you free. That is truth worth seeking, truth worth knowing, and truth worth living. Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.